Good morning. Buenos dias. Vamos Argentina. All right. Uh, just had to get that out of my system. I wore my jersey last Sunday, so I figured I wouldn't wear it again, but I did wear something, the colors. See that, Luis? So a uh, pretty exciting day. If you're a sports fan, and I'm sorry if you're German in here, our apologies. It's also Tar Heel Blue. So here we go. <laughs> There's a little Duke strand in here, you know, Angel, it's all right. You can come to our church if you're a Duke fan. It's all right, you know. Oh, wow. It's good to see everybody. Thanks for being here this morning at River Life Fellowship. And uh, my wife and I, were just honored, we're blessed, and we're excited to be ending one chapter and beginning a new one with River Life Chapel Hill. And uh, the cool thing is, we're not leaving. We're just extending this to another location a couple hours away. So it, it's not like, you know, I'm, I've been really, you know, it's hard to figure out what you're going to say on your last Sunday, but it's really not the last Sunday. It's just a change, it's a shift, but there's so much more ahead. And uh, as I look around the room at all of your faces and all the memories, whoo! <laughs> I hope I can get through this because I have so much to say and so little time to say it in, <laughs> honestly. And I was thinking about, you know, like at the Grammys, when somebody's coming up to get an award and they're talking and they just keep talking and then the music starts playing in the background, like get off the stage. Andy, if you need to start playing music, just go ahead, <laughs> you know, we'll take the hint. But um, I wanted to, first of all, just say, makes a couple of announcements about River Life Chapel Hill. First of all, two weeks from today, on July the 27th, is our next monthly meeting. And Andy Squires is going to be there to lead worship. So if you want to come, we'll keep sending the announcements with the address. Please come join us. We will be moved by then. Next weekend we move because as of three days ago, we declare the house is sold. Come on! I've never personally experienced God absolutely sovereignly lining up every single detail. And if you're, if you're new here, the one obstacle we needed was for our beautiful house that we built 10 years ago to get sold. And, you know, last minute Jesus, well, right on time Jesus, I, I should be corrected. I'm like, Lord, you know what day it is? Have you looked at the calendar? You know, <laughs> we're moving on the 21st of July. So, oh man, it's so good. And then, um... So, and then October the 5th, we launch weekly services at 6 p.m. at Extraordinary Ventures in Elliott Road, Chapel Hill, October the 5th. All right, why don't you say that after me? All right, and the reason I'm getting you to repeat that, and I'll send you a hundred messages between now and then, is I want at least a hundred of you in that building on October the 5th. It's only a two-hour trip. Is a hundred too many to ask? Because there's, what, 250 in here, so, you know, we can do that. But honestly, um, I've just been, we've been blown away by your support. Every month, we've had at least 15 to 20 people from this church to make the drive there and back. And uh, it's just been awesome. And we're so excited about all that God's doing. Did you want to say anything on that note? 
before we move on? All right. <laughs> so, uh, so when he was saying that about our house selling, the funny thing was at the beginning of putting our house on the market, I had had this vision or wake, you know, that early morning wake up state where you're kind of in the middle. And I had had this picture of seeing Matthew standing up in the front of the church saying, sold. <laughs> and then it just got closer and closer. And it was like, okay, maybe it's going to sell sometime, but maybe we need to put it on the rental market. Like this, we're getting, and we were at the beach taking a vacation for a little bit. And um, the house, the rental house that we had there, um, it was really like we needed to make a decision. Our house wasn't sold. And we heard the Lord say, set your course. Set your course. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and we knew this is where he has called us. This is the house he's provided for us. He's going to take care of the sale of our house. And so we just kept saying to each other, set our course. We've set our course. We're going. And he's going to take care of this. So when we kept trying to put it on the rental market this past week, I kept having these phone calls of this same person. But they were just taking forever, <laughs> forever to make any kind of move in my heart. I mean, it was maybe a few days. <laughs> but a day is a long time in the middle of that. But I was sitting with Becky the other day when they called and said, they accepted your offer after going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And I just felt the Lord's pleasure over you set your course and I will finish what I've started in you. He's the one that does it. And it's like the Lord just gave us enough space for our faith to grow. You know, it was like, I'm going to give you some space about this much. I'm going to let your faith grow and your trust in me so that you know that this is me that has done this, that is carrying you, that is doing all of this, and you won't have any doubt whatsoever that it's you, but that it's me, you know, so. So we're not going to, like, preach a message. We're just sharing our heart. Is that okay? And uh, so we've each chosen a like a uh, a parting verse, I guess, <laughs> kind of some a, a verse that we want to read and just share with you. But um, before we do, I just want to really honor a couple of people. And honestly, I could honor just about half of the people in this room that I know in some way. So, But uh, I just really want to honor um, Andy Squires, my brother, you know, because Andy's like my spiritual brother. And we've been to heaven and back. And we've been to hell and back. And so, uh, you know, like brothers in the natural, we've had our times where maybe we wanted to, like, you know, fight one another or something. I don't know. You know, our disagreements, those are few and far between. But, but we've, we've, uh, we've raised our families together for the last 15 years. And we've been a family here at River Life. And uh, I just wanted to say thank you, Andy. Thank you for being here. Weren't they amazing? Him and his beautiful daughter. So you guys stay after Savannah about music. I keep telling you, you got to keep singing. Isn't she incredible? And uh, so, and then I wanted to honor my brother, Marlon Magusu. We're twins. And uh, 
<laughs> never wanted to fight Marlon. No, I figured, no, no offense, Andy, but I feel I might have a chance against Andy, but Marlon, no way. Dude, you're getting pounded. <laughs> Andy says he can take Marlon. But we've kind of grown up together and uh, been on staff here and taught together. And gosh, there's so many things we've done together. But thanks, Marlon, for always um, just being a great friend and a great support. And, of course, it's not goodbye, but many times to come in the future. And I also wanted to just thank Jim Hill and Kathy for their amazing, amazing love and support over the years, you know. Um, I wouldn't be here without, without Jim. He saw things in me that I did not see in myself in any regard or, or had forgotten that they were even there. And he called them forth prophetically 15 years ago. He said, Matthew, and I, I was on crutches at this time. It's 25 years old. He said, never trust a man without a limp. <laughs> Somebody told me that a long time ago, but now you qualify. Now God's ready to use you. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. I was limping in more ways than one at that point in my life. So thank you, Jim. Many great times ahead. (laughs) You're my hero. And as Jim says, I want to be just like you when I grow up. You know, that's like a typical thing he says. So I can truly say that. And then, of course, Byron and Becky. You know, you guys are uh, just amazing. And this church is the wealthiest church in America because of these amazing people who have just, yeah. (laughs) They hate to be recognized and honored, so we'll just, don't worry about it. (laughs) But um, again, you'll hear the number 15 a lot for me because... It's a big number. Uh, Fifteen years ago, I believe Byron took one of the greatest risks by asking this guy to, like, not just be the youth pastor in this church because of a move of God that had started, but also he said, he claims that the Lord spoke to him about ordaining me. And I'm like, really? Are you sure about that? And uh, that changed the course of my life. And um, just really want to thank you, Byron and Becky, for doing that and just really being parents to Sarah, Ruth, and I. So, again, this isn't a message, but um, my, clo- my, my parting thoughts, I'm going to put a title to the thoughts. And the title is The Hope of His Calling. The Hope of His Calling. And I want to dedicate these thoughts to my mother and father-in-law, Chuck and Janet Moore. The hope of his calling. (laughs) Because 15 years ago, July of 1999, they said, yeah, you can marry our only daughter. (laughs) How many guys know he who finds a wife finds a good thing? And uh, I also want to dedicate it to them because some of you guys don't know them or know them very well in this room. But they've paid... They've paid such a huge price to rescue, to minister to, and to revolutionize a generation. And uh, I'll forever be grateful to you guys, you know, for doing that. For building a farm where family can really dwell. And, uh, you know, we've been so blessed to be at Honey Mountain Farm for all these years. It's difficult to, you know, walk away from our dream house 
and you know all that we've been through as a family but you know he's worthy of it all Nate Jesus is worthy of it all and I'll, I'll build my dream house and give it away 15 more times because he is worthy of it all and there's a hope in his calling you see it's not just about my calling or your calling it's his calling but you get to be a part of it and there is always hope in that when it's about me, it can become hopeless. But when it's about him, there's always hope. And I feel like there's no greater verse that means more to this church than Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. <laughs> Amen. How many people know that passage almost by heart? If you've been around River Life for a while, you do. Maybe you're here and this is the first time you've ever read it. But these are Paul's tremendous words to the church at Ephesus. So let's read this. Ephesians 1, 15. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, come on, Marla, glory, may give to you the Spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. That's where it all begins. The eyes of your understanding, therefore, are enlightened, that you may know what is the hope, that you may know by experience, you may know that you know that you know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, church, and he gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You know, and there's so much in that. We've heard so much great teaching and preaching from that very passage. But I want to just highlight three phrases. First of all, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. How many people know what it's like to open the scripture, for example, and it's like you're reading it for the first time? It's like something just shifts. Only God can do that. You may have heard it said that it takes God to love God. Well, I'm saying it takes God to really love the Bible and to understand what in the world it means. You know what I mean? The, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Byron mentioned, I think it was last week, from uh, the story from 1 Samuel 14 about the honey. Okay, And in the story, just a quick Reader's Digest version. In the story, King Saul had forbid that any of the soldiers in the army eat anything for the day. But his boy, Solomon, wasn't there. Sorry, not Solomon. Ah. Jonathan, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I got way ahead of the story. Uh, but his boy Jonathan didn't hear the decree, and he was walking through the woods, and he saw all this honey on the ground. Like, man, look at all this honey. So he dips his staff in the honey, and he takes it. And he says, my, how my countenance has brightened. And he finds out about the decree, and he's like, oh, that my dad should have offered such a ridiculous decree. Look at me. I'm refreshed. I'm rejuvenated. If I can read into it, I've got new vision. I've got new life. I've got something to live for. I can get up in the morning. What does the honey represent? It represents the spirit of revelation. 
If you're discouraged, you're beaten, you're, you're, you're trodden by life this morning, just remember that the spirit of revelation is available for you right this minute, right this second, to come upon you. It's nothing you do. It's a grace act of God. The spirit of revelation is where your eyes are open. It's like being born again again. You know what I'm saying? The spirit of revelation opens your eyes. It clearly says that to see the hope of his calling. Another way of saying the hope of his calling is the certainty. Listen to me. The certainty of his invitation. The certainty of his invitation. One of the things I'm so blessed about this new River Life in Chapel Hill is God's invited Sarah and I to pastor it. We don't have to. You know, he just said, hey, here's an invitation. Would you love to? Like, hey, Matthew and Sarah, I'm going to do this thing, River Life. Would you love to be a part of it? Well, yeah, okay. I'll accept the invitation. I'll come to your party, Jesus. Because in that perspective, it takes all the pressure off. You know, we're not going to do anything. We don't have to make anything happen. As Byron has reminded me over and over again over the last six months, God will build the church, Matthew, if you'll let him. That's kind of our key theme. God will build the church if you'll let him. And so we step into the hope, to the certainty, because that's what biblical hope is. It's not like, man, I hope it's sunny tomorrow. It's like the certainty, it will be sunny tomorrow. The certainty of his invitation. Because your calling that the Bible talks so much about, and there's been thousands of books written about our, our callings and our destiny and finding your purpose. All of that is simply an invitation to step into God, who God has already made you to be. You don't have to become anything. You don't have to be like anybody else. You don't have to talk a certain way. You don't have to dress a certain way. You don't have to play a guitar. You just have to be you. Years ago, we went to uh, Zimbabwe. You remember that, Byron? How could we ever forget it, right? There was a Nigerian evangelist there named Charles Indifone. You remember? Many, there were several people in this room that were on that trip. The, oh, man, he was absolutely incredible and annoying at the same time. Ridiculously annoying because he would just walk around. And now, don't get me wrong. The guy was incredibly anointed. I mean, walking in power, literally emptied out an AIDS ward at a hospital while we were there. I've never, I mean, we would be in the hotel uh, restaurant. He'd have people come in and say, hey, my loved one's sitting out in the car. Could you come pray for him? Like literally people would follow him around just like they did Jesus because of the anointing on this man's life. But what was so annoying for us at that point, because we weren't exactly walking in that anointing, is his, here was his famous line, it's easy. You can do this. It's easy. And, and the, the, his favorite line was, the great, uh, he said, he said the, you are the best Jesus your world will ever see. It's easy. Just, you know, you're just like, oh, it's not easy. You don't understand. <laughs> I've come to appreciate him more and more, though, over the years. I don't know if have any idea where I was going with that and what that had to do with the hope of his calling. But let me just share this. I'm going to hand it off to my wife, a quick, real quick version of my, my path, okay? Um, two weeks from today, July the 27th, 1993, 
which I, dawned on me yesterday. I'll be 21, you know, so I'm the spiritual drinking age, I guess. I'll keep <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so July the 27th, 1993, I uh, had a radical encounter with Jesus and uh, forever changed anything. I was a college student. Um, the following year, I actually went a part-time ministry staff with a church in Greensboro. I was at UNCG. Uh, the church in Greensboro to found a campus ministry from scratch called Spartan Christian Fellowship, still going on today. And uh, long story quick, quick, you know, I you know some things I made some decisions in my life that weren't exactly the best decisions and whatever. And uh, um, I got married in 1995, and uh, by uh, well in July '97. The marriage had gone so south that we actually decided to move to Mooresville to try to get a fresh start. And uh, I ended up teaching at Mooresville High School, coaching soccer there. And by uh, the end of 97, you know, the marriage had not worked out. And she she had moved out. And, uh, you know, so when I said I was a man with a limp, I mean, if, has anybody, if, you don't have to raise your hand. If you've ever been in a similar position like that, maybe a broken marriage, I mean, you're limping, you know what I'm saying? You might be even worse off. You're limping. Your whole world has been shaken. And uh, so by January of 98, that spring soccer season, we was coaching the women's soccer team at Mooresville High. Rough sport, guys, rough sport. Completely blew out my left ankle. I mean, to the point where the orthopedic surgeon said, hey, you didn't just, like, pull some tendons and ligaments. It's like a hand grenade went off in your ankle. I mean, it was that bad, joint dislocation, all that. Anyway, so I'm on crutches that spring of 98, and I come hobbling in to what is now River Life Fellowship. It was maybe 50 people, I don't know, 60 people, something like that. It was called Calvary Community Church. It was right down there by Liberty Gas Station. I come hobbling in. How many people here were in this room were there? Wow. That's how long I've been journeying with you guys. And uh, and I was holding this kid right here who's now 17, Noah. So I have a six-month-old in my hand, eight-month-old, and I'm on crutches. And he's not here, but Fran McCarran really helped me at that point in my life by holding Noah so that I could have a little bit of time to worship. Walked in and instantly, Becky was leading worship, never forget it, instantly connected because the ministry my parents helped found in Chapel Hill 33 years ago. Um, when I moved to Mooresville, it was like DNA, like same DNA, you know. And then Byron preached a message, which if we went back and listened to it now, you would probably cringe, but it was one of those, has anybody ever had the experience where Byron's preaching is like, is he reading my emails? How many people know what I'm talking about? It's exactly what happened for me on that first Sunday. It was just a simple message on God's got a plan for your life. And it was like I needed to hear that right that day. Because, you know, I'd gotten radically saved, on fire, started a campus ministry, and then broken. Just absolutely devastated by life. So as I mentioned earlier, I met Jim Hill in the foyer maybe a few months after that. And by that spring, this amazing, um, she was a college student at that time. Byron had asked her to... uh, get some people to share a 10-minute testimony of how they got saved during the offering on Sundays. So we kind of were acquaintances. We didn't know each other really well, but she kept asking me. She asked me like twice, 
to do that. And I'm like, nah, I'm not really interested in doing that. And then um, finally on the third time, just to get her off my back, I'm like, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> so in that spring of 98, I got up here or in a different building and just shared my dramatic testimony and a bunch of young men came forward and gave their lives to Christ. Byron didn't get to preach. The Holy Ghost just moved. And, uh, and uh, really a revival of youth began that morning in 98. By uh, 99, sorry, by May 31st, Memorial Day weekend of 99, they ordained me into ministry. <laughs> I told you it was a big risk. And uh, then by that July, we got engaged in Argentina, therefore the connection. And by October, we were married this place has been more than a church. It's just, it's just a home. This is a family. And um, I just want to thank my mom and dad for always believing in me, you know. Because, uh, again, maybe you can relate somewhat. Maybe you're right now in a position where you've known for years that there was a call of God on your life. But you don't have the foggiest notion what it is right now. Or you've, it's so far removed, you can't remember. The Holy Spirit wants to cause you to remember right now. Just remember what Jim told me, quoting a man that told him, never trust a man or a woman without a limp. Some of you are limping right now, but it's okay. It's okay, because now God can trust you. He's ready to use you, and He's going to be big. It's going to be big time, and whatever that means... There's another thing after the hope of his calling. So the spirit of wisdom and revelation releases the hope of his calling. But it doesn't end there. The hope of your calling and his calling results in resurrection power. One of the first people Doug and I met with in Chapel Hill was a Presbyterian pastor. He actually um, planted a church in the building that we're also meeting in. They're there on Sunday mornings. We'll be there on Sunday night and planted a church there about eight years ago, I believe he said. And the one of the we so we were meeting with him, just wanted to kind of connect. One of the first things he said to us is, "Well, you know, Chapel Hill's kind of a church planting graveyard." Wow. Okay. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so full of faith, brother. You know, I mean, just really appreciate the encouragement and. uh Actually, it was a tremendous encouragement to Doug and I. We, we walked away. We had a good chuckle about it. And uh, texted Byron. He's like, well, sounds like a good place for resurrection power. <laughs> and uh, I could talk about that for a long, long time. But it's true. The reason you never trust a guy without a limp is because when you've been, because Jesus had to be bruised, broken, and beaten, and eventually buried in order to be raised. The suffering of Christ produces the glory of Christ. Never, ever forget it if you'll let it. The suffering of Christ will produce the glory of Christ in you guys, Chuck and Janet, if you'll allow it to come forth. Let us never as a tribe, as a family, as a community, stand in the way. And one of the very strange things that we read from the apostles' writings in the New Testament, is that they could find glory in suffering. In fact, they, they, they often would talk about it as, I was found worthy, I was considered worthy enough to suffer with my Lord. And I feel the same way. 
We've been found worthy. We as a family have been found worthy. So let those words, the spirit of wisdom and revelation come to you, let you know first and foremost that you're a son, you're a daughter. Out of that place of sonship, you can know the hope of his calling, which will result in resurrection power. Sarah, before you speak, I, want, I just want to read the same passage one more time in the Amplified for Becky. <laughs> for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, the people of God, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of Him, by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which He has called you and how rich is His glorious inheritance in the saints, His set-apart ones, and so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of His power in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of His mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, in every name that is named, above every title that can be conferred, not only in this age and in this world, but also in the age and the world which are to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has appointed him the universal and supreme head of the church, a headship exercised throughout the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. For in the body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with himself. Amen. Amen. So I have like a few minutes. Matthew told me, you know, I said, I don't have much to say. He said, yes, you do. I said, what are you talking about? And he said, you always think you don't have much to say, but then you talk. He's the one that talked this morning, isn't he? It was good. I love you. So, because um, that's good. And the good thing is, is that the great thing is the story doesn't end when he died on the cross and was buried. And that, praise God, there's resurrection power. There's life in him. He is all about reconciliation. He's all about re- reconciling the world to himself and to one another, and I love that, and, you know, I just wanted to read that scripture of the song that I sang this morning, is, because I really felt like I was walking on my road, my road is my place with the Lord at my house, and I heard the Lord give me the scripture, and I felt like he said, it wasn't just for us, it was for, it is like he was saying, you need to say this to them, the whole body, you know, that this is for them, I'm saying this to them, and it's Deuteronomy 31, 7, it's when Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. And you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He's the one that's with us and with y'all. Because we're, I really do feel like it's true. It's, we're, crossing the, we're crossing the Jordan. It's time. It's time. 
And this is what he's saying. He's saying, be strong and courageous. He's moving us on. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Um, I had this moment at the beginning of this process where I got on my face with the Lord. Matthew was in an interview with a school, that, not really an interview. He had already been working. His part of his part-time job was to work at Lake Norman Christian. And he just went in there to meet with them before the last, last school year and was just thinking he was just going to get the, um, you know, his hours for what time he was going to work and all that. And so I had nothing to worry about. But for some reason, went not for some reason, the Lord, I know he was preparing us. But um, when he went into that meeting, I was at home and I just felt to get on my face with the Lord. And immediately when I hit the ground, I had this vision and I was standing on the edge of a cliff and I looked down and I realized the ground was, you know, like it was like there was nowhere else to step. And I was like, at first I wanted to get down real close to the ground and like kiss the ground. Like, I mean, because I, I realized I had this like, whoo, this is good. This this ground right here is, is good. I like this ground. And then I heard the Lord say to me, Sarah, it's time to fly. And immediately I, I was like, what? It's time to fly? And immediately, though, I went back. It's like the Lord took me back over all that we've been through of seeing our life and walking with the Lord. And this thing rose up in me from the depths. It started coming up. And it was this trust. And I said it really quietly at first. I said, I trust you, Lord. Because it was like I was seeing his faithfulness. His faithfulness. I was walking through those moments where we had gotten phone calls you don't ever want to get. And I saw him carrying us through those moments. And then I realized, oh, he kept carrying us. And I thought, okay, I trust you, Lord. And then this thing kept coming up. I trust you. I trust you. Oh, wait, Lord, I really trust you. I trust you. I trust you. And all of a sudden, I just felt myself with my hands wide open. No longer was I trying to hold on to the ground, to the safe, you know, nest that was being. Because what happened was Matthew called me a little bit after that. And he goes, Sarah. No, he didn't say it like that. It was like, hey. And I was like, hey. And he was like, um, we don't have a job at Lake Norman Christian. And because they wanted him full-time and we had already been journeying on this this thing with the lord lord what do you have for us and he wanted they wanted him to go full-time there and we knew we couldn't do that because we couldn't do the church and do full-time at the school and we had already been on this journey with the lord and realized that ministry was in our hearts even if we couldn't figure out how all we knew was to trust him and so when he said that to me he said uh, we don't have a job. I said, oh, that's okay. It's time to fly. And he was like, what? And then I could tell him that whole vision. You know, it's time to fly. I don't know how. We don't know how. We have no clue. But all we know is it's time to fly. You know, and, um, and but what I knew was, then Franny sent us this video of this, it's like when the birds try to fly and they have them on. It was like this video of, she didn't know this vision I had. 
and they were on the edge of cliffs, like in these little crevices, and it was the the dad bird and then the baby bird, and the dad just pushes the bird right off the edge. <laughs> but the thing was really cool was he didn't stop there. He flew right behind that bird, squawking at the bird the whole time, like, I'm with you. I'm with you, baby. You can do this. You can do this. Until the the she the baby bird kind of you know hard landing in the water, but you know she was learning, the, you know. And I was like, okay, Lord, do I have to have hard landings? Can we make them soft, you know? But um, I just really felt from the Lord, it's like the Father's heart is that sometimes it's time to fly, it's time to spread out your wings. But the deal is, is that. It, the grace was in that moment that was from the depths. It wasn't me. Came up, I trust you, Lord. I've seen you, and I know that you've brought us this far, and you are going to be faithful every day of our journey ahead. You know, and I just want to pass that on to you guys. Is the Lord's been faithful to us, all of us, every single one of you in here. He's been faithful. He is so faithful, and he's going to carry us on in to the new. He really is. And the last scripture I had was, this was um, the other thing the Lord was really speaking to me, which was Ruth, in the book of Ruth. And I was telling Matthew this morning, I was realizing, you know, I was born on the Lamb's Chapel. Okay, I was born, my parents and many people here, raise your hand if you were connected to the Lamb's Chapel at some point. That's a, that's a good number. Okay, and it's it was it was back in the 70s and it's a real place that the Lord really moved and did a lot in a lot of people's lives. Becky and Byron's, my parents, many people here. I was born there and and we have journeyed for years together, you know, and this scripture which I had we had in our um, wedding um, just really made me realize that one of the things is being planted, being planted, finding your family in the Lord. You know, when Ruth and Naomi, when Ruth looked at Naomi and was like, I'm coming with you. Naomi was like, yeah, Naomi was like, um, you need to go on back. I don't have anything for you. And Ruth was like, oh, no, oh, no, I am staying with you. Your people are my people. Your God is my God. And, um, and it was a covenant relationship there. And I just believe that we are a people of covenant relationship. We are a people that it's like through thick, through thin, through good, through bad. We know that one thing is you experience the Lord together it's never, it's like it wrecks you for the Lord and it wrecks you for each other. You know, it develops a relationship you just can't, it's forever. Mary Mead, stand up for just a minute. See Mary, she was born out in the, at the chapel too. And we were best friends since we were little. And the thing is, she's been to Texas, she's been all over but the moment I've seen her any time, it's like nothing's ever. We always, we always had this connection, and I knew it was in the Lord. 
you know, and he's done that with so many more people now. And, um, yeah, walking through things, right, Angel? Good and bad really give you this friendship that what I've realized in that is what happened with Ruth, you guys, was she didn't know. Naomi was saying, I don't have a husband for you. I don't have any more kids. Why are you sticking with me? You know, but all she knew was that was who God had planted her with and that she was supposed to stay with her, okay? And then what the deal was, her destiny worked out itself in family, okay? And that's what I want to encourage you, is if you feel like these people are your people and this is where the Lord's planted you, rest love each other allow the lord the process of what he does in us through us with one another and the destiny will come forth it will work itself out it will come forth and this is that scripture is that 116 this is what it says but ruth said okay so this is what she said and she said look your sister-in-law has gone back to her people And to her gods, return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said this, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people, oh, hold on. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts you and me. And I'm just saying that we know that we're going over to Chapel Hill, but that's why one of the things we knew that we knew that we knew is we weren't doing it outside of River Life Fellowship, is that God had grafted us in this body with this people to do life with, to do life with. And it's so good to see that he's given us so many friendships and we go forth in those into whatever the Lord calls us to. We go and we come, we go and we come. But we know that we know that we know that there is a people that God's grafted us together and he will work out our destiny in that covenant relationship of no matter what, thick and thin, we're going to do what it takes to be there for one another, celebrate each other, weep, everything. It's just do life, you know, and see God come forth through that relationship. So I thank y'all for allowing us to go forth but in that relationship of River Life Fellowship. And this is, like Matthew said, this we're going, but we're connected, you know, and we're going to see lots of each other. Don't worry. And we're not going, you know, we're not going as an island, I don't know if y'all knew this, but we have six amazing kids, and uh, three of the oldest boys are on the front row here, and um, you know, they're just, I I just know their destinies in God are there, you know, and then also um, Doug and Ann Murdoch, you know, their hearts are in Chapel Hill, God hasn't released them just quite yet in terms of logistics, but it kind of reminds me of the 
the JT song. Sorry, young people, I'm not talking about Justin Timberlake. Um, James Taylor, you know, in my mind, I'm going to Carolina. You know, it's in their hearts, in their hearts, they're going, but the Lord's saying not yet. Deanna Drescher and her amazing daughter, Michelle, are going to Chapel Hill with us this month. They're moving, I mean, next month as well, in August, they're moving. She'll be a junior, I think, at UNC. And uh, Deanna and, and Anna Grace will start kindergarten together. I mean, sorry. Yeah, Deanna is not starting kindergarten. She's actually in college. Michelle is starting kindergarten. And then Mark and Holly Forrester and their three awesome children, have their, they have their house on the market right now. So let's pray through the... You guys stand up back there. Yeah, and Doug and Ann, you guys stand up too. And, and Deanna, if you're wherever you're at. Yeah, so they're going to be our first, first youth leaders there in Chapel Hill for our youth ministry, and so we're pumped about that and many, many other things that they may or may not know about. And uh, since I just volunteered them for that position, Doug and Ann just decided to sit down before I announced that they're doing. And, and they have three awesome kids, as I said, that are the same age as three of our kids in the middle, and uh, so it's just an awesome God thing. And then we also have a few other folks that are seriously praying and considering. And uh, if I could tell, I would love to tell you who they are so you could go up and give them a word. It said God said Chapel Hill, but yeah, just kidding. So anyway, that's that. Yes, sir. I just want to talk to you two. Everybody else can listen if they want. Um, I love the Holy Spirit and the way he confirms things because uh, much of what's been said here this morning, the Lord spoke to me when I was sitting on my deck praying this morning. And the Lord just dropped a word in my heart for you. Okay? Fourteen um, is an important number for you because it was exactly 14 years ago that the Lord spoke to me about you that you needed to go out to be able to enter in to what was your own. And the time has come for you to cross over. And you're going to plant and you're going to harvest your own crops in this new endeavor. But this will not be your last crossing over. There is a greater crossing over that will come later that will work off of the organic relationships like you both have here, but out of your own crops. Because as your engagement began in the nations, your fulfillment will be in the nations. And as you cross over, the Lord is going to give you flocks, and herds, and you shall learn the difference between those two things. And he will also give you a wine press of your own and an olive press of your own, and you shall learn the difference between those two things as well. Your calling is a generational calling. Mm -hmm. 
but it's not to a singular generation, but it is for seasons and times of fulfillment that will come upon you. They will come upon you. And you will know, you will know that it is the Lord who has caused you to cross over. You will know in your heart that it is the Lord that has caused you to cross over to this new time in your life. Mm -hmm. And you will know when the next season comes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Be blessed. Be blessed. Mm -hmm. Be joyful. Be joyful in your rest. And be anointed. Be anointed doubly and mightily. In Jesus' name. Well, you you ready to send these guys out? This is woof. It's so hard. We've done it over and over. We've sent people to Mission Field and to other churches, and it's really hard. But it's a privilege, really a privilege. And I just feel like this is just such a, I don't even know what the word is, such a solemn thing before the Lord today. You know, it's almost like it feels like when Solomon dedicated the temple. It's a solemn thing that we do this. I just want to invite our leaders, our elders, our parents, the siblings, the, uh, the boys, y'all come on up. Yep, and um, and anybody, you're welcome. I mean, I know the whole church could come, but, you know, if you, yeah, if you, you know, really have been vitally, that's involved here, just really want you to come and as we send them out. And um, I think it's interesting for Sarah and Matthew. I mean, we all show up in the same colors, Byron's. We got chapel. All got Chapel Hill colors on. We we have a habit of this, but not only that. Sarah and Matthew are exactly at the age. Sarah was my Sarah and I are the same age, and Byron and I came to Mooresville, and Matthew's the same age as that Byron was. I think it's really significant. It's just his timing. So, righty. thank you, Lord. I'm going to read a. a a psalm, a short one, and it's really what the Lord gave Solomon about building the temple. And actually, part of, I read part of this at Matthew and Sarah's uh, wedding. So, so, but I'm gonna read it in the Message Bible. It says uh, it's Psalm 127. It says, "If God doesn't build the house, the builders only build shacks." <laughs> That's pretty good. We're not we're not building a shack. You know, we're building a habitation for the Lord. That's no shack, no matter what it looks like. If God doesn't guard the city, the night watchman might as well nap. It's useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know he enjoys giving rest to those he loves? So we pray the Lord will let this be a, a rest, that you can rest in the finished work of Christ, rest in what He's already finished, the good works that He's always finished, already finished for you. You can just walk in those works now in a restful way. No striving. Don't you see that children are God's best gift? 
And of course, that's our natural children. It's also our spiritual children. It's having sons and daughters. The fruit of the room, his generous legacy. Like a warrior's fistful of arrows are the children of a vigorous youth. Oh, how blessed are you parents with your quivers full of children. Your enemies don't stand a chance against you. You'll sweep them right off your doorstep. And I know when Matthew's parent launched him, as every parent does, shot him out of the out of the house, you know, there was some contrary winds came in his life, but the Lord was faithful to send his wind and get Matthew back on the right track. Isn't the Lord so good? And that's what we're doing today is we are pulling the bow back and we're launching you. And we're launching you towards the target and the target is the Lord himself. That's, that's, that's the target. There's no other target. It's him. It's his presence, his, his life. He's everything. Yeah, and that's what we're launching you into. We're not launching you to be to be anything else but be sons and daughters of the Father. Be lovers of Christ. Be Holy Ghost people. Be that in whatever you do. And God's going to make it successful according to His ways. And we're trusting the Holy Spirit to bring the wind for you. We're trusting He's going to get that arrow to the, to the bullseye. So we launch you in the name of the Lord. We release you in to the wind of the Spirit. We fire you into the heavens. And we call forth for that wind now to come. Guide that arrow right into the very heart. Guide that arrow very into the heart. Lord, we release them. We bless them. Lord, we bless them in the name of the Lord. We give them... We give them our blessings, Lord. We give them our blessings. We give them, Lord, what we have. They've already got what we have, Lord. We give it to them afresh today, Lord. We say, take it with you. Build on it. Make it better. Do better. Just exceed me, please. Please exceed me. When you're my age, you better be exceeding me or I'll come see you. You better have done better. You better have reached higher into the spiritual realm than I've reached at this time. Be more effective than me. Be greater than me. I'll tell you do that. Because if you don't, then I failed. I'm not failing. And that's my truest desire is for the people I've given to would be better than me because I didn't come here on this earth for myself. I didn't come here for just what I'm doing. And so that's what I want for you, Matthew and Sarah. That's what I want for you, and I believe that's what the Father wants for you. So I give you permission to stand on me. I give you permission to take everything that I have and say it's mine. You don't have to say Byron said it's yours. It's yours. You have it now. But you take it and you take it further than I took it. And you know the Lord better than I know Him. You make sure you do. You grow past me. You grow past me. 
you grow past me. And you, you really fulfill the purposes of God that he has in your life. So when you're done, you can look around and you can see children. And you can say the same thing to them. And you can mean it from the bottom of your heart. You can mean it. Lord, we just release them. I release them to the wind of your spirit, Lord. That they will go in, into Chapel Hill. We proclaim this right now. We're not just sending an arrow. We, we're sending a missile, Lord. They will go in missile form and break through all those barriers that have been held up in that city, Lord. We declare it to be so, Lord, that they will go there and they will take higher ground than's ever been taken. We release them to the high ground of your spirit, Lord. We send them out in the spirit of Elijah to take higher ground, Lord. And we thank you, Lord. I say this, you're ready. You are ready. You're prepared. You are ready to go. There's, you're not lacking anything. We commission you to be River Life Fellowship of Chapel Hill. You are commissioned to plant there, to raise up, to send out. You are ready to go. Take the higher ground now. In Jesus' name. When I was praying about this morning too, for you guys, the Lord gave me a picture of our church here. And, um, and then he took me to Acts 13. And in Acts 13, it talks about the church at Antioch, where it says the Christians, they were first called Christians. And there's something about that, that the Lord wants all of us to see what's happening here today in our church. The word Christian means Christ-like. And that's been the message of this church, that we become like Christ. The also, also, the message of Antioch was a church that had filled the whole area of sending out. It was, it was a church noted for sending out and creating powerful, powerful ministries. Um, this was the church where Paul and Barnabas were released. And I feel like there's a birthing of apostolic here today from the church to you guys. Matthew and Sarah, you're not just going with a word. You're going with a message. And that, that's, that's, that's apostolic. I'm not calling you apostles. I'm calling you uh, an apostolic vision has been placed in your hearts. And you're going to spread a message um, as, as Paul and Barnabas did from Antioch. You're going to spread a message. And further on, you read right after that, the power of God came upon Paul where he dealt with the sorcerer. And I feel there's significance there with just what Becky prayed about the missile, that you are going to walk in the authority and the power of God to deal with all the sorcery, all the um, divination, all the, the stuff that's going on there. I feel that God wants to confirm to you that you are walking in his authority. And last and not least, most important, the Lord wants us all to see here, we worshiped, we prayed, but the Holy Spirit is sending you out. It's not our authority that's sending you out. It's not Byron's authority. It's not, it's the Holy Spirit himself is saying, go. The Holy Spirit, we are releasing you because we are in agreement with the Holy Spirit 
and what he's doing in your life. In Jesus' name. Yeah, Father, we just... We thank you, Daddy, for how you call us out of darkness into light. How you call us your own and cleansed us. How you set us apart, Father, for your good works that you've always created for us from the beginning. And Father, just thank you that you're calling Matthew and Sarah Ruth and their children, Lord, into these good works that you've always established from them from the very beginning. We're so thank you for that, Father. And right now, I just ask you, Daddy, that your wind, the wind of your Holy Spirit, Father, would just carry them. Would just carry them into the deep parts of your heart, Lord God. Father, I just ask that your Holy Spirit will create the image of Christ within him. That there will be the best Christ that Chapel Hill of sin in that place, Lord God. So I just ask you, Father, that there will be an open heaven as they walk forth in your authority, Father. That you would just establish them, Lord God, and you plant their roots deep, Father. That they will have such a deep well, Lord God, that they will draw out of that well continuously, Father. That they may feed so many that are thirsty, so many that are hungry, Lord God. And I just say, Father, let your blood, Jesus, cover them. Protect them, Lord God. Hedge them in, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for my friends, Matthew and Sarah. Lord, I just want to honor them in front of all these people, God, because you've honored them, Lord. You highly esteem Matthew and Sarah, Father. You treasure them. You cherish them. So we treasure and cherish them, Father. They're good friends. They're good people. They're amazing pastors. And God, we thank you for raising up the best, Lord. We thank you for raising up the best for your kingdom, Lord. Matthew and Sarah are the best that you have to offer, Father. And we thank you that we get to know them, that we get to partner with them, that we get to walk with them and serve alongside them, Father. We just release that blessing over their hearts and minds right now. And we just thank you that there's no fear involved with this, Father. Father, that we have been made brave by your spirit, Lord. We have been made courageous by your spirit, Father. And we are going to fly with them, Father. In Jesus' name.